Hey folks, Cameron here. Before we get into episode 512, we have an update from Dennis, our editor based in Ukraine. I'm sure you all heard his update a couple of weeks ago. We asked him to give us another one and let us know how he's tracking. And uh, so he did. Here's Dennis. Hello, everyone. Hi, Cam. Hi, TK. This is Dennis recording from Khmelnytsky, Ukraine. I just thought I'd record you a small update on how we're doing and about the situation here. Things have slowed down for us here. I don't think I can tell you anything that you haven't heard about already in your news, but I'm not really sure uh, what's being highlighted in your media. So about the situation on the front line, the Mariupol is still the worst uh, the worst one, the city is being completely destroyed. There's heavy fighting there. In Kiev and Kharkiv, things have been stalled and our army is pushing Russians back to the border. They're liberating lots of uh, small towns and villages. Uh, Russians not even trying to face our army, they're still striking from afar they're trying to terrorize the civilians uh, so yeah they're avoiding any close fights uh, near Kherson there is a small small town called Chernobyevka uh, this is probably something that you didn't hear in your media uh, this is the place that's it, it became basically a meme right now for Ukrainians because uh, Russians have tried to position their troops there for, I don't know, more than 12 times right now. And every time they're being completely destroyed by Ukrainian army there. And we're all just laughing at, uh, at them at this point. Uh, what about us uh, here in Khmelnytsky? It's pretty quiet. This is one of the cities that not experienced any heavy shelling so far uh, but even here uh, right now it's 11 p.m and the sirens are going on outside so yeah it's dangerous even here and i evacuated my cat from Kharkiv, so he he's here with us he was in Kharkiv, close to my house under heavy shelling for a month so yeah i'm very happy i managed to get him out of there so the war has been going on for over a month right now and even we over here are getting used to it but it is still important still very important to talk about it to tell people that this is not a conflict this is not a special military operation this is a war this is an invasion and ukrainians are dying still dying every day here uh, because russians are shooting at residential areas so your support is crucial right now each we need each and every one of you to stand with ukraine thank you uh, just as I was recording this message to you, talking about how we are getting used to war and how Khmelnytsky is uh, a safe and a quiet town, there was two or three loud explosions over here. Uh, I think this is the first time this is the loudest ones here. So you might probably hear about this in the news today. 
Uh, so once again, Ukraine still needs support. Ukraine is a huge country and as you can see, there is no safe place right now here. Welcome back to QAV. This is episode 512 being recorded Tuesday, 29th of March, 2022. How are you, TK? Very well, thank you, Cam. How are you? Good. How's the back? Uh, yeah, not so great, but it's getting better. You uh, been playing golf since last week? or <laughs> you In flippers. It's been raining cats and dogs. I had the impression that nothing stopped you getting the old, neither rail, you're like a, the American postal worker, neither rail nor sleep nor... Rail, rail, sleet, rain will stop you from hitting a little white ball. Yeah, except for a bad back. So, uh, yeah, it's been hurting, dragging on a bit longer than normal, but I think I wasn't doing it any help by I kept doing my uh, normal exercises last week, so I stopped them this week and it's improving. So I do all these things to, like, strengthen the core and the glutes and all those kinds of areas which are meant to take pressure off the back, but this time I think they're the areas that are hurting. So I'm just going to give it a, give it some rest. Get up and show me your exercises, your core exercises. <laughs> show me how you strengthen your glutes, Tony. <laughs> no? Okay. After the recording. <laughs> okay. After hours. Yeah, QAV after dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are we? It's uh... Where are we? It's a usual shitstorm going on in the world. That's where we are. <sighs> Man. We're, uh, well, well, it's budget night tonight, so we'll get to see the cash splash before the election coming up. But Joe Biden says that Putin should be removed. So that's. <laughs> that was when his, uh, his uh, inside voice came out at the wrong time, wasn't it? I was like, did I, did I say that out loud? Yeah. I'm only supposed to say that in certain rooms, yeah. with certain people. <laughs> Not supposed to say those things in public. Yeah. I was just waiting for, uh, to, with the budget tonight, I'm waiting to see Albanese uh, stand up and uh, give an old Will Smith to. <laughs> Chris Rock. Yeah, like he's Treat Frydenberg, like he's Chris Rock. Also, I think the Oscar ratings were up 53% or something last night. So be prepared for the rematch next year. <laughs> the cage fight. Exactly. I'd pay to see that. Now they know how to get the ratings up. Might be a, not 2024 might be a, um, a cat fight. They'll have to hire Roy and HG to commentate the whole thing. <laughs> a little bit of biffo. <laughs> yeah, the cauldron. Live from the cauldron. <laughs> Where too much biffo is never enough. <laughs> Want to see some blood. Want to see some blood on the stage, Roy. Well, yes, Roy, that's, uh, that's right. Uh, I think uh, Chris Rock is now officially Will's bitch. <laughs> Anyway, back to investing. <laughs> AMI, Tony, Aurelia Metals. They had an announcement last week, something about uh, a lower grade of mineralization than previously forecast at the Dargez mine. People on Facebook wanted to know, is that a bad news sell? Market didn't react very positively to it, that's for sure. Yeah, so uh, I own AMI, so I'll just uh, declare that up front, and I haven't sold it. I want to just clarify the bad news sell. I mean, the, the market's always our guide. Whether we think it's bad news or good news or whatever, it's what the market thinks. It's the important thing. So all of our normal rule one rules, three-point 
Premline cell rules are all still in place, and that's why I still hold AMI. The bad news cell is what I've seen over the years for things that are a red flag but haven't been picked up by the market yet. And that's typically things like an independent director resigns or the CFO resigns or the CEO resigns unexpectedly. They're, they're probably the most common type ones. Like the CEO resigning can trigger market sentiment, but oftentimes the CFO resigning unexpectedly doesn't or um, in particular an independent director resigning. And that generally is code for the independent director just can't stand the board anymore. They can't get their way. They can't persuade them. They can't see sense. And so they're out. They're not going to have their name tarnished by uh, the rest of the board and what they're doing. So that's what I treat as bad news cells. The rest, I, I really just get guided by the market. I mean, AMI in particular. So what's happened there is that they've um, announced a downgrade in mineralization, which means that there'll be a non-cash provision taken in the next uh, profit report. And so the profit will be less than what it is this year, but it's a non-cash item. And the market didn't like it. The shares are down 10 to 12%, something like that. So it's not the end of the world. And they're still up for the year. So it's not enough for me to sell, Cam. Okay. So let's just recap. Bad news is something that the market hasn't reacted to yet, but we see as potentially damaging. Correct. A red flag, yeah. So otherwise, we'll let the market guide. So something like this, the share price drops, but if it's still above, uh, assuming you've owned it for a while, so it didn't uh, become a rule one, it's still above the three-point trend line, sell line. It's just business as usual. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little bit of that. We've seen this before with other companies. I remember Beach Petroleum or Beach Energies, it's now called, did a similar thing last year or the year before. They said, we don't have the same level of oil reserves we thought we had, so we're taking a write down. Because all of these things, whether it's the the mineralization that AMI is talking about is, I guess, a, an assessment of assets in the ground, and that sits on their balance sheet as an asset, and having to write it down because take a non-cash impairment because they've done further work or some, some new drilling results have come to light, and it's not worth what they said it was worth on their books. Same thing happened with Beach Energy a year or two ago. They thought they had more oil reserves than they did. They coughed up, uh, they confessed up, and then they coughed up a write-down and their shares went down. But they, they've come back in the, in the last uh, oil surge. So I'm hesitating to say it's business as usual, but it is a recognition of the fact that exploration companies do have assets which are, can be written up or can be written down depending on more recent drilling and exploration uh, results. So it is business as usual, but not necessarily something that happens every day. So I also own AMI and, you know, it was looked like from a market reaction perspective, it looked like bad news. Share price dropped like 10% immediately. But because this is market as usual activity, reporting on results or findings or the operations, normal operations of their business, not bad news, just business as usual, normal rules apply. It is bad news. Unquestionably, it's bad news. They have less assets today than they thought they had yesterday, but it's not a bad news sell from my point of view. So I just wanted, I wanted to clarify that. Okay, maybe we should have bad news and calamity or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, I think we have our main ways of selling, the three-point trend line and rule one, and that's, that's it except for if we see one of these red flags, like an unexpected resignation, and we go, hang on, what's going on there? 
So it's oftentimes something that I've seen as a red flag that the market doesn't pick up that I would sell for. But things like if a profit downgrade comes out, if a bad result happens for a company, the shares may well drop, but I'd still hold them if I was uh, still above rule one or three point sell. It does invoke a little bit of forecasting, doesn't it? Your red flag thing. You're like, oh, independent directors quit, CFOs quit. That's portending bad news to come down the track. I'm getting out now. But we don't usually approve of forecasting. That's a little bit of forecasting. Yeah, it is a little bit of forecasting, but it's really based on experience. I've seen it happen before. I think probably the best example I can think of goes back a long way. And there was an independent director. I think her name was Catherine Griner from memory. And she sat on the AMP board and she left. And uh, it was just reported by the press, you know, Catherine Griner moves on. Nothing to see here. And then AMP went through one of the calamitous downgrades it's been going through since it listed. So that was a red flag for me. And I've seen it a couple of other times. It doesn't always pretend bad news. I mean, if a CFO resigns, it might just be part of normal career management on their part. But there, there have been other cases where CFOs get replaced because they won't sign off on the results or whatever. You never hear that. You just hear the CFO's gone. And then a few months later, you get a big downgrade. So yes, it's, it's prediction, but it's based heavily on experience. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Let's talk about Nevexa and CAGA. Nevexa have finally implemented CAGA, but uh, I don't know if it's working. No, I agree. <laughs> Our QAV portfolio, when I reported in last week's uh, newsletter and I looked at Nevexa's as pre-CAGA, from memory, we were up about 15% for the financial year and the ASX 200 was up about 6% for the financial year. Moved over to CAGA, I look at the report today, it says the ASX 200 is up 7% for the financial year and we're up 5%. <laughs> we dropped 10% in the last week and we've had nothing go down significantly in the last week. So I don't know what's going on. I'd have to unpick it and look at, that sounds like it's that cash component again. Maybe the cash account hasn't been taken into account properly. When I had a look at the changeover to CAGA, I think our performance since inception, which is about two and a half years, went down, well, we were doing 29% on the old calculation methodology, and then we dropped to 25% on the new calculation, on the new CAGA calculation methodology. But none of those make sense because you know the portfolio has gone from around $20,000, $20,000 and change up to around $30,000 and change over two and a half years. If you just plug it into Excel, it's about 20% CAGA. So I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, must hate us, the Nevexa guys. <laughs> you might just have to drop it out and do it in Excel again on our own. That's why we uh, invoke the uh, dark powers of Stephen Mab and say, <laughs> uh, Mr. President of the Australian Shareholders Association, could yeah. you <laughs> have a look at their CAGA reporting and get back to them? Because, you know, I think his emails carry a lot more weight than ours do. Even though I had to get them to uh, pay attention to his emails originally, he was emailing him and I don't think they were replying. And I went, hey, guys, this guy's the president of the <laughs> ASA. You should. And they're like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Gave him a lot of love. Moving right along, new groups and Slack channels. So this is for QAV club members. As you may or may not have seen in the Facebook group, I've been I'm trying to move away from Facebook and onto our own social media platform uh, on our own site because I don't trust Facebook. And uh, don't like Facebook, don't like have to have it open during the day to see all your comments because it's 
noisy and people are always trying to get into fights with me <laughs> over politics <laughs> and I don't have time. So I'm trying to internalize it. And also we've set up a Slack channel because I know some of you are already big into using Slack. So uh, check those out. If you haven't already, go to uh, qavpodcast.com.au slash groups and uh, get our Slack channel off of somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how you find us on Slack. I'm not sure how Slack works really, but <laughs> ask me and I'll tell you how to get into our Slack channel if you I did link to it in Facebook. I'll keep linking to it. I'll put it up on the club resources page so you can figure out how to get on the Slack. And just the good thing about that is if people have questions, particularly new people during the day, they can ping me and I'll get an alert on Slack and I can give you my attention. Better than email, probably better than Facebook if you need to get in touch with me because I try and avoid looking at my emails and looking at Facebook as much as possible. What else? Oh, Andy Cody suggested I remind people to leave us an iTunes review or or Spotify review, something that I don't say every show and I should. So if you have a minute and you haven't, please leave us a review on one of those places. You can find a link on our homepage to those, I think, or you can just go to the Apple Podcast app, go search, search for QAV, click on the show, not the episode, scroll down to ratings and reviews and write a review. It's a little bit hard to figure out and I'm not sure how it works on Spotify, but you're all smart people. You can work it out. But yeah, reviews are good. That's, you know, when other people stumble across the show on one of those platforms, the first thing I'm sure everybody does to see whether or not they should bother listening is they look at the reviews and the more reviews, the better, et cetera. Only good reviews though, if you, if you don't like the show, uh, don't bother. And also while I'm thinking of new people, we had a really good success, as I mentioned last time, with the first sort of Q&A Zoom call just with me and a bunch of new people, The uh, get, helping you get up and started Zoom calls. So I'm going to start doing them on a Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Brisbane time, Wednesday night starting this week. Advertise it so new people can just jump on and, you know, get straight into asking questions in their first week if they're so comfortable or just sitting and watching and listening to other people ask questions and get a sense for how it goes. So. Uh, if you want to jump on one of those, it's going to be fairly free form for now. Just Q&A, you ask questions and I'll answer them. And anything I can't answer, I'll ask Tony. and We can talk about it on the show. Stocks of the week this week. Well, well not even a small cap, our micro cap stock of the week. Couldn't find any small cap stocks of the week this week. Micro was TBR, Tribune Resources. And uh, the large cap was Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, B-E-N. So if you're looking for stocks this week to give some attention to, if you've been too busy to do your own checklist this week and you're looking for a micro cap, I think it's average daily trade for TBRs about 15 or 16,000. So it's small, but big enough that, you know, if you're putting a thousand in or a couple of thousand, you can probably uh, get in there. And Ben's average daily trades, like, I don't know, 21 million or something. So it's huge. But do your own research, people. They're not recommendations. A good place to start doing your own research. Okay, Tony, Santos, talk to me about Santos. Yeah, Santos, I'm finding more and more interesting. So the news item I just wanted to highlight was they had a big uh, discovery of uh, a new oil field off the coast of WA, and it's uh, apparently the second largest in the last five years, so it's a significant one. Their share price has been going well because of the oil price rising, but I think it's also a longer-term good investment from the point of view of 
it is still investing in developing its oil reserves. It's merged with oil search that's gone through. So it's much bigger than what it was um, in the recent past. And because of ESG concerns, Santos and, uh, and a lot of the other big oil majors are not really developing or expanding their oil reserves because they're not getting access to capital. So Santos uh, is getting some access to capital, is still expanding, and I think that bodes well because I can't see the oil price dropping dramatically even when the Ukraine conflict is over. It'll definitely drop, but um, by how much, uh, who knows. But uh, there is this sort of general thematic going on about the, the lack of investment in oil reserves will keep the oil price high. I did read today in the Fin Review that there's another, I guess, thematic starting with Santos, which is that it's being seen by some analysts as being a transitional stock. So even though it's a, an oil and gas explorer, it is seen as, um, as helping the decarbonisation, I guess, future of the planet because it, it, will, it is investing in other fuel types. So, you know, that may or may not play out. I don't like investing in thematics, but I, just, I, I really raised the story about the large discovery in WA, which will bode well for Santos going forward. Very good. Good luck to Santos. I own Santos for the record. Max Walsh passed along. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just us getting older, but I seem to be <laughs> noticing more people pass on. Max Walsh, for people who don't know, was a past AFR editor back in probably the 80s or 90s and famous for that and also a show called The Car Wash Report with Richard Carlton, which was on the ABC and, and was pretty groundbreaking, at least as my young self uh, could see in that it really did uh, do deep dives into politics and the economy and business, which was uh, usually on the back or middle pages of newspapers and hardly ever spoken about on TV. So he was a pioneer and uh, valet to Max Walsh. And he was also the editor-in-chief at the Bulletin magazine when I was on their front cover in 2006. So uh, thank you for that. And then they promptly went out of business. <laughs> So my apologies, Max, for that. Uh, yes, he was, uh, he was around a long time. He was sort of a mainstay of financial and political journalism in this country, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, yeah. What's going on with Twiggy Forrest, Tony? Yeah, just an interesting article I read recently about his idea for a perpetual train. So the idea is that they have these long trains of some 300 carriages carrying iron ore from their mines down to the coast so it can be loaded onto ships. And Twiggy's hired an engineering firm in the UK to build him a, a net zero self-powering train, net zero in terms of using uh, energy. And the idea is that because it's, it's downhill from the mine to the coast and the train's full of iron ore, they can hook up some batteries on carriages behind it. As the train slows down, the brakes charge the batteries they unload the iron ore, the train's a lot lighter than it was on the way down and the batteries power it back up the hill to the mine. And uh, apparently this has got some kind of in-principle support from the engineering company and they're going to develop a concept for it, which I thought was intriguing, very clever. Yeah, good for Twiggy. BNPL, bloodbath. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about the buy now, pay later stocks over the last couple of years we've been doing this podcast. And something caught my eye during the week, which said that uh, if you take into account Afterpay and the way it was converted into Block, even though Block is now up around the highest price Afterpay ever got to, the conversion wasn't one-to-one, -one, Afterpay is down 
for people who held onto it after it converted to Block. Um, but the eye-catching one was Zip, one of Afterpay's Australian competitors, hit a high price of $12.40 a year or so ago and is now $1.47 today. So some heavy losses being sustained in the buy now, pay later space. And well, I, I don't hate to say I told you so. I did tell people that. I think uh, we were saying all the way along, these things are being held up by hot air and they were. Wow. So, gee. <laughs> Where are all the people that were talking about the huge futures for these and the great, you know, this time it's different. This and, time it's different. <laughs> stories. Where are they? What are they saying now? Where are they all? They're quiet. They're licking their wounds. Well, they're probably moving on to green hydrogen or something. The next, the next play, the next pump and dump doesn't have a profit and never makes any money. But like this is like without any sense of Schadenfreude, but you were telling us this story f- for the last few years. You kept saying, yeah, I've seen it all before. These things rise up and then interest rates start to rise or something else happens or big competition moves in. More regulation. More regulation and they just evaporate overnight, not go down by 10% or go down by 20% and then come back up, but evaporate. And somebody's left holding the cup. Somebody bought in when Afterpay was at $200. Somebody bought in when Zip was at $12. Somebody who was told by somebody else, oh, man, this thing's going all the way to the moon. You know, it's, uh, it's a brave new world. The rules don't matter anymore. It's all about market share and eyeballs and earlobes and... Uh... Yeah, and as Ben Graham said 100 years ago, the market in the short term is a voting machine in the long term it's a weighing machine. And uh, these companies have been put on the scales and there's nothing there. They're pretty light when it comes to financials. So they've been voted off the island. But there were analysts after analysts after journalists after journalists saying these things are going to be the future and... Uh... Is written in stone and every, you know. And it's a great new business model and it's going to take over the world and we did it first and all those first mover advantage, all those kinds of stories, which we've all heard before. And the people, like the analysts, talk about the professionals, not the punters, but the professionals who no doubt when Afterpay was at $7, were saying it was undervalued at $7 and were saying it was undervalued at $10 and $11. Why aren't they buying it at keeping the price up at $7 or $8 or $10? If it was undervalued then. That's the FOMO. There were plenty of stories around, particularly after the COVID cough when Afterpay went down to, I think it was like less than 20 bucks and people piled in and they made a lot of money out of it. So hopefully they sold out and kept the money. But that's what gets reported. What doesn't get reported is the fact that Lucky for Afterpay, Block took it over. But on the conversion, it's still worth half what it was when Block took it over. And let alone what's happened to the other players in the space. No one's reporting on that. But that's the flip side to all these booms. They always go bust. But to play devil's advocate, let's say you had bought Zip in January 21 at $5 and it went up to $12 in a month because it doubled in a month because that's realistic. And then you three-point sold it on its way down. I wonder what the three-point trend line would have looked at. You know, what kind of stop loss would you have in place for these things? I mean... We can have a look. I imagine uh, with that kind of steep rise, the sell point would be very low. 
So you probably would have given up most of the upside coming back. If you're going to play that game, you would need a different kind of sell trigger, stop loss sell trigger. Yeah. I mean, I looked at Bitcoin and tried to apply a three-point trend line to that, but it's, it's you can't do it either because over five years, it's gone from nothing to, well, it's gone from thousands to tens of thousands. And so the sell line's really low. And Bitcoin might continue to hold up and then the five-year graph rolls around and you get a sell out of it. So it might still work. But that's all you can do with these stocks, Cam, is trade them. Trade them based on you know some kind of uh, technical analysis, not fundamental. It's got to be on the graph. And that's a valid strategy. So you know, the, my point is, if you do have a system which says, if I bought Zip at five and I, it's gone up by more than double, so I'm selling it, great. And then what do you do? You move into Bitcoin, do the same there, et cetera, et cetera. Eventually, you'll get caught out because something will drop dramatically and quickly, you know, you'll get caught. But it is a, it's a strategy. It's a momentum strategy. There are plenty of momentum traders out there. Yeah. If I go back, say, a year, and I was drawing a three-point trend line for it, then it looks like the low point would have been around uh, early 2016. Anyway, there would have been a very low sell line. You, you, I think your sell line would have come in around about buck sixty, which is kind of where the share price is now. <laughs> Uh, so you, you'd be getting out now, but yeah. Yeah, anyway, my point was that uh, I prefer to be a fundamental investor and let the numbers stack up and you avoid all this kind of uh, having to watch the share price every day and, and decide in a binary sense, do I stay or do I go? Do I buy more? Do I sell? If you can rely on the numbers. Yeah. Somebody uh, go back and find all of the uh, hype articles around Zip <laughs> for us from uh, 18 months ago. We can have a read, have a laugh. Well, that's all the time we have for the free episode of QAV 512 for our club members. There was about an extra hour, I think, of content this week where we answer a lot of their questions about using QAV. If you're interested in checking out QAV Club, go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the free trial button and uh, sign up. Uh, if you're not ready for QAV Club, but you still want to invest, don't forget to check out QAV Lite. That's the service we introduced about a month ago where we advise people of a, a couple of stocks to buy each week. And we will then track and monitor those stocks and let you know uh, if it's time to sell them. Basically, we run a portfolio with all of the recommendations. We keep track of it. If you're interested in checking that out, go to qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. Or just keep listening to this free episode. uh, Keep educating yourself. And uh, yeah, just until you're ready to do one of those two things. That's cool. Have a great week. Stay safe. And we'll be back next week. QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions. Mm-hmm.